0: Welcome to Radio, I'm Kuna. Today's submission comes from Catherine LaCroix. This story is one of Detective Eugene Pike in 1944 New York, who quits the only profession he's ever known. Pike takes one last job as a favor, but how far will this rabbit hole go? September 23rd, 1944, 11.47 p.m. It had only been a week since I'd taken myself out of the game, but it felt like a damn lifetime. It poured in New York every day for almost a month, like the rain had something to prove. There wasn't a station on the radio that didn't talk about the war. Hundreds of giant posters with loud proclamations to join the war effort were hastily plastered against the sides of buildings. Many of them tumbled through the streets as more and more protesters tore them down. With the constant rain, it wasn't uncommon to find one following you home after a walk. Thinking about it enough could make a man depressed. But it was time to call it quits. I could feel it in my gut. And for thirty years, my gut had never failed me. There was a knock on my door. The hell? I muttered under my breath. Probably some fathead trying to sell me a newspaper subscription. Damn kids. I waited, hoping they'd leave. The knock came again. I sighed and answered the door. Pike, thank god! I need your help! A short man with more hair grease than brains stood soaked to the skin in my doorway. Definitely a fathead, just not the newspaper-selling kind. Roy, whatever it is, I don't want anything to do with it. I moved to close the door. Come on, Pike, for a friend? Roy blocked the door. Since when have we been friends? I wasn't in the mood. But something in his voice bugged me. Something wild and desperate. From the look of his clothes and the dark circles beneath his eyes, he'd already tried everyone else in town. "'Can't you go to the cops?' I asked anyway. "'They didn't believe me. You're the last person I can ask, honest.' Roy idly traced letters still emblazoned on my office window. "'Eugene Pike, private detective. I'd been meaning to scrub them off, just hadn't gotten around to it.' I relented. "'Fine.' come in, but you know it's after blackout. He hurried past me, moving to stand in front of my small fireplace. It was my only source of light after 11 p.m. No kidding. Try walking the block in the pitch dark. Roy shivered, then extended his arms toward the heat. Thanks for seeing me, Jean. What do you want, Roy? I was sure his gratitude wouldn't cover his request. There was a long pause. The crackle of firewood was the only sound between us, I was about to ask again when Roy finally admitted. Someone's been watching me. I can feel it. You've been hitting the bottle again? I popped a bag of cigarettes and a lighter from my coat pocket and lit one. Roy held out a shaking hand for another, even though I hadn't offered. Normally, I would have given him L. But the way he trembled. Couldn't bring myself to say no. Nah, two years clean. I swear it. He took a long drag and it seemed to calm his nerves. He turned his back to the fire. At first, I thought nothing of it. Then, last night, Alice went to work and didn't come home. I blew smoke circles into the air while I ran through the possibilities. Alice was his wife, a dynamite little jazz singer that worked down at a local club. As much of a dope as Ray was, his wife was loyal to a fault. The police wouldn't file a missing person report for at least a few days. Did she say anything about going somewhere? Visiting her parents? Friends? Relatives? She was a social butterfly, Alice. Nothing. I asked the club manager, and he said she left at the same time. Like she always did. Roy sunk into the floor, head drooping. Did you leave with anyone? I don't think so. I studied the ceiling, watching the shadows from the fire consume Roy's outline. I still don't work for free, I said. Anything, Pike, a- anything you want, just... Find my wife. Damn it. A hundred voices in my head said I shouldn't take the case. But by the time the police stepped in, Alice would be a goner. Roy stood, closing the distance in two steps, and held out his hand. Damn it. Fine. We'll worry about payment when she's home. This is the last favor I ever do for you, Roy. Got it? Of course, Pike. Thank you. After he left, I swore up a storm and dug my last bottle of scotch from my desk. It was going to be a long night. September twenty fourth, nineteen forty four. Seven forty six AM. I didn't sleep. I rarely did when I was on a case. I spent the night planning my next steps and finding Alice. As the sun rose I killed my bottle of scotch and grabbed my hat and coat. For one rare moment, it wasn't raining. Even so, water rushed rivers down the street gutters, and I was careful not to step in ankle-deep puddles. The cheerful bells that rang as I opened the door to the diner nearest Alice's Club may as well have been a gunshot. The few patrons already there took a break from their breakfast to stare. I ignored them and took a seat. "'Hey there, Yuji!' A young, dolled-up waitress cooed and leaned over the counter. "Morning, Laura,' I said, setting the hat on the stool beside me. "'Your usual?' She moved to pour me a cup of coffee. Yes, ma'am. She wrinkled her nose as she set the mug down. You smell like a booze hound. You want a case? Sure am, I sighed. I thought you didn't do that no more. She turned her head toward the kitchen and called. Three eggs over easy and an order of bacon. It's a favor. I pulled a cigarette from my pocket and lit it before taking a drink of the scalding brew. The temperature didn't matter. The scotch had known my taste buds anyway. You seen Alice Jacobs in here lately? She crossed her slender arms and thought. Mm, A few days ago, I'm pretty sure. Is she okay? Of course, Laura. I lied. Better not to cause panic. It could tip off the perp. Was she with anyone? Laura shrugged. Couple singers from the jazz club? Really, UG, what's the buzz? Nothing at all. Just curious. If you say so. Her face said she didn't believe me one bit. It was the only answer she was going to get. We didn't say much more while I finished my breakfast and downed four cups of joe. Laura knew when to quit asking questions. She was a good gal and a reliable source. Unfortunately, Alice having dinner with her coworkers was nothing out of the ordinary. One lead down. I tipped her well and made my way to the jazz club only a half a block away. September 24th, 1944. 11.02 a.m. Early afternoons were slow at the Cats Club. Prime spots for singers and musicians didn't start until after 8pm. Opening the door, the smells of smoke, booze, and sweat washed over me. Not so different from my own place. A tall, leggy dame on the center stage purred lyrics that could have sounded like anything to the Johnny's three drinks in before noon. No one here spared me a second glance. I found an isolated seat at the corner of the bar and ordered a gin and tonic. I figured I'd give the scotch a break. I didn't recognize the bartender, so I bided my time. After a couple songs and drinks, I waved him over. Slow day? I started easy. It'll pick up in a few hours. He swiped a few empty glasses and wiped the counter. Mornings are like this. You make a good drink. I toasted it with my glass. Thank you, sir. I took another sip before I continued. I saw a singer here a few weeks ago. A real doll. Blonde hair, easy on the eyes, sang like an angel. She still perform here? I studied his face while I offered a casual description of Roy's wife. Alice? She quit last week. Real shame. She pulled in crowds like flies. I was careful to keep my composure. That is a shame. Not often a gal quits a high-paying gig. She's singing somewhere else? He paused and glanced behind him. Setting a couple of glasses in the sink, he lowered his voice. The manager said she was real torn up about leaving, that something was really getting her down. I'd never known Roy or Alice to have any back alley habits beyond Roy's drinking. Whatever this was, it wasn't good. She didn't look the sort to let anything get under her skin, I replied. I slid my glass forward for a refill. But I guess they never do, huh? True enough, he smirked. He quickly filled up my glass and added two more olives. Lots of folks asked after her, but if he asked me... He paused, chewing on his lip. You know, maybe it ain't my place. There it was. Bartenders always had the eyes I needed. My lips are sealed, friend. Scout's honor. There was a stain that came to her set every night for a year. A year? They'd gab a while afterwards, and sometimes they left together. Just a second. A newcomer had joined the bar. Like most men, I didn't claim to know the minds of women. But for any person to show that kind of commitment for so long, something else is going on. The bartender returned. Did you catch your name? I asked. Who? The dame who was here every night. He paused, searching my attire. You a cop? Nah, just making conversation, I said easily. The tension left his shoulders. Elizabeth. Elizabeth. Dark hair, dark eyes. She was a looker, but she seemed to only have interest in Alice. His voice dropped so only I could hear him. A little queer if he ask me. Maybe. I nodded and finished my drink. Maybe i will change her mind and come back to the club. We can all hope. Manager's been beside himself since she left. Thanks to the chat, pal. See you next time. He waved me off and took the empty glasses. The singer finished her set to mild applause. I paid for my drinks and made my way toward the door when something caught my eye. Along the wall were framed photographs and newspapers touting the jazz club as one of the best in the city. I scanned over the pictures in the bar. The singers. The crowds. And then I saw it. A small photo of Alice, beaming from a high-top table, her arm around the shoulders of a dark-haired, dark-eyed woman. Elizabeth. It had to be. A steady stream of customers on their lunch breaks filtered into the club. The bartender's attentions were on them. I snatched the photo from the wall and tucked it inside my coat pocket. I could ditch the frame later. I double-timed it out of the bar and made my way to the payphone. September 24th, 1944. 2.30pm. Elizabeth? That's not ringing any bells. I fed the phone another nickel. Roy, I need you to really think here. I mean it, Pike. I knew most of the singers to the cats, but I don't remember an Elizabeth. Roy sounded exhausted. How was Alice the week before she didn't come home? What do you mean? Was she acting differently? Did she seem upset? I cradled the receiver on my shoulder as I pulled the cigarettes and lighter from my pocket. I didn't think anything was wrong. The night she disappeared, though, I found some weird stuff in our bureau. I bit back my frustration. You didn't tell me? I didn't think it was important, you know? A bunch bunch of bottles, a diary... Please insert another 20 cents to continue this call. The operator interrupted. Damn it, Roy, I'll be right over. I hung up the phone and grabbed a taxi to his apartment. Roy's face was haggard, and he somehow looked more tired than the night prior. I'm sorry, Pike, but I I didn't think it was nothing. He was all apologies as he led the way to his room. He pulled a purse from a drawer and dumped its contents out in the bed. Careful with it! Jesus, Roy! This guy, the grace of a baboon. Sorry, he mumbled. He took the remaining items out with great care, lying them next to the contents spilled on the comforter. He wasn't kidding. There were a ton of strange things in that bag. Small vials with different colored liquids, a palm-sized book in a language I didn't understand, and a compact-sized mirror with symbols drawn in what looked like blood. It sent a chill down my spine. What the hell? I asked the rhetoric. A small pad of paper was amongst the oddities. As I flipped through it, I found it was a list of names. Roy's name, some of the singers at the club, many I didn't recognize. Finally, one popped out at me from the page. Elizabeth Moore. I went through the list one more time, double-checking that she was the only Elizabeth listed. Sure enough, it was just her. I pointed at the name and held a pad in front of Roy. Elizabeth Moore, any ideas? Roy rubbed the back of his neck and grimaced. Sorry, Pike, never heard of her. I showed him the picture. He shook his head, his frown deepening. We were getting nowhere. I pocketed the list of names, the mirror and the book into my coat. Everything else went back in the purse. In that case, I've got more digging to do. Let me come with you? Roy asked in a small voice that didn't fit him one bit. Whatever's watching me, it's getting worse. Ah, right. You're man. I vaguely recalled our first conversation. I mean it, Gene. It's, it's nothing good. Not only did I work alone, I wouldn't have picked Roy as a partner if he was the last man on Earth. He was clumsy, loud, stupid. But I could also see he was absolutely terrified. All right. "'But you stay out of my way and make yourself invisible, understand?' I relented. I could already feel the beginnings of a headache throb at my temples. Roy let out a huge breath he must have been holding for days. "'Thank you, Blake. Really, it'll, it'll be like I'm not there at all.'" September 24th, 1944. 5.39 p.m. I called in a favor at the local station to check their records for an Elizabeth Moore and asked that they reach me at the library. They still owed me big time for a few cases they could never have handled without me. While I waited to hear from them, I started searching old newspapers. I thumbed through the ones I had seen in the cats, finding Alice's photo on the front page more than once. In one picture, I could make out Elizabeth sitting on a nearby table. When was the last time you saw Alice sing? I asked Roy as I flipped through more issues. A couple of years ago, I think. He sat nearby, skimming through a huge volume of public records. A couple of years. Come on, Roy, you pulling my leg? He shifted uncomfortably in his chair. It's not like her act ever changes. The throbbing in my temples intensified. He really was an idiot. I was about to tell him so when one of the papers stopped me dead. Holy shit, I murmured, tugging it free from the bundle. I pulled the photograph from my pocket and held it side by side. It was an issue of the time, stated year 1902. A photo of Elizabeth was on the front page. The article was celebrating the opening of a club that didn't exist anymore, and Elizabeth was their star. She looked exactly the same as she did in the photograph I'd taken from the cats. She hadn't aged a day. What'd you find? Roy moved the book from his lap and came to the stand behind me. That can't be her, can it? I read the photo's caption. It listed her as Lillian Moore. Could have been strong family looks, but... My gut told me it was the same woman. I had to trust my gut. I took the paper and went to the front desk. Roy tailed me, calling my name. I couldn't hear him over the pounding in my ears. What the hell was going on? I need your phone, I said to the librarian, harsher than I intended. She looked up, her sharp eyes peering over large, square frames. All reference material must remain in the building, she gestured toward the paper in my hand. I softened my tongue and tipped my hat. My apologies, ma'am. I won't be more than a minute. It's important. She studied me for a few moments longer and I attempted to look distressed. It must have worked because she shook her head and motioned me behind the counter toward the phone. Thank you, ma'am. I lifted the receiver. You have one minute, she replied. I wasn't about to test her. Operator, police station, please. The Librarian's eyebrows raised, but she busied herself with paperwork. It didn't matter if she heard. Roy was still on the other end of the counter, staring at me like a drowned fish. Hello, please, how may I direct your call? A cheerful woman greeted. I need Detective Lorenz, now. I could see the librarian ticking the seconds down in her fingers. For a split second, I considered breaking them. Detective Lorenz, a low, curt voice answered. Tony, did you find anything on Elizabeth Moore? My impatience was palpable. Found some moors in the area, no Elizabeth, sorry Pike. What about a Lillian Moore? I glanced at the paper again and spelled the first name for him. One second, I heard the click as he set down the phone. I tapped my fingers on the desk. Roy was mouthing silent words I couldn't understand and gesturing animatedly toward the clock. The librarian pointed at her watch and glared at me expectantly. And folks wondered why I'd quit. Pike. Tony returned, and I'd never been so grateful for her distraction. Yeah. I've got one Lillian Moore on file. I think this address is current, but... It looks like she doesn't hang around one place for long. I grabbed the notepad and a pen from my pocket and flipped to a blank page. Alright, give it to me. I scribbled down the address and thanked him. After I hung up the phone, I tossed the paper to the librarian. Thanks, doll. I could taste the sarcasm on my tongue. Let's go, Roy. I could feel her eyes as we left. It didn't matter. We were dealing with something far worse. September 24th, 1944. 7.16pm. As we made our way up the stairs of the tall apartment building, the hairs in the back of my neck stood on end. Like someone was watching me. Roy whispered in frantic sentences, Pike, they're, they're here. Whoever's following me, they're, they're here right now. Hush invisible, remember? I hissed, but I felt it too. To his credit, Roy shut his trap. The place was silent as the grave, as if it had been abandoned. No cars in the streets or people on the sidewalks. It was prime time for folks to leave for their evening pleasures, and I couldn't hear a damn thing outside of the pounding in my ears. I was just imagining things. It was like any other case I'd cracked. There is always a reasonable explanation behind the crime. Obviously, Roy was rubbing off on me. Come on, Pike, you're better than this. We reached the door and I knocked loudly before I could reconsider. A dog from a few apartments over barked and I could feel Roy start. Get a hold of yourself, man. I sounded far more confident than I felt. We waited for an answer. Maybe we should just go. Roy's voice shook as badly as his shoulders. I was beginning to agree with him when the door opened. It halted at the length of a chain lock and a familiar pair of dark eyes peered through the crack. Miss Moore? That's me. Her voice was like velvet and clear as a bell. Sorry to disturb you, I'm Detective Pike. I introduced myself. Roy stayed silent. I'd like to ask you a few questions about a missing person. May I come in?
1: Of course.
0: She disappeared for a moment, unlocking the door. When she opened it to let us in, I found myself staring. The pictures didn't do her justice. Tall and beautiful, with ivory skin and curled brunette hair. She wore a long, red number that showed off her curves, like a gal see in magazines.
1: Is there a problem, detective?
0: A smile twitched at the corner of her mouth. No, beg pardon, miss. I regained composure and led Roy into her apartment.
1: Elizabeth, please.
0: It was lightly furnished and clean enough to eat off the floors. I considered Tony's offhand comment and agreed that it wouldn't be much to move somewhere else. She motioned towards the couch and Roy and I took a seat. His skin had lost all color, as if he'd seen a ghost. Sweat beaded on his forehead, and he desperately tried to wipe it away with a handkerchief he'd procured from his pocket.
1: So, what can I do to help you find gentlemen this evening?
0: She brought a bottle of wine and three glasses from the kitchen setting them on a small coffee table in front of us. I took the notebook and pen from my pocket. We're looking into the disappearance of Alice Jacobs. Heard of her?
1: The jazz singer?
0: She poured three hefty glasses of red wine and lifted a pack of cigarettes from the top of her television. The very same. She offered me a smoke and a light. I gladly took it and a sip of the wine. Roy's gaze flickered wildly between her and I.
1: I admit I'm a big fan of hers.
0: Elizabeth leaned back in her chair, taking a long drag from her cigarette.
1: That explains why I haven't seen her at the Cats Club the past few nights.
0: I took another drink. It tasted like the expensive stuff. You were seen with her on the night of her disappearance. I didn't want to offer that I knew she'd quit a week before.
1: We had dinner after her set, like we usually do.
0: She shrugged, flicking burned remains into a nearby ashtray.
1: Sorry to change the topic, but... Who is he?
0: Roy Jacobs, ma'am, Roy stammered. Her eyes widened by a fraction. She hadn't expected him.
1: Her husband? Alice talked about you. She was upset you didn't come see her sing more often.
0: Roy had the decency to look ashamed, but said nothing. I finished off my glass and Elizabeth was quick to pour me another. Do you have any ideas where Alice could have gone, Elizabeth? I asked.
1: Alice wasn't one to go out much, was she?
0: Elizabeth mused.
1: I may know something helpful, though.
0: Anything would be appreciated. As I took another drink of the wine, my limbs felt heavy. I pushed the feeling aside, attributing it to exhaustion.
1: Follow me, if you would.
0: She stamped out her cigarette before standing. I did the same and realized it took an immense amount of energy to get to my feet. Too much booze, not enough sleep. Would have to take it easy the next few days. We followed her down a short hallway and stood before a closed door. I could hear Roy's teeth chattering. Time seemed to move in slow motion as the door swung open to reveal a small bedroom. That's when the smell hit me. Blood. Death. Decay. I had seen and smelled it enough in my line of work that it haunted my dreams. Red streaks painted the walls and ceiling in incomprehensible symbols and signs. In the middle of the floor. In the center of a myriad of shapes. Like Alice. Elizabeth sipped her wine as casually as she had in the living room.
1: It's a shame losing a talent like hers, but we all do what we must to survive. Isn't that right, Detective Pike?
0: What transpired next happened in a blur. The mirror I'd pocketed pierced a hole through the fabric of my coat and shot to Elizabeth's hand, as if she were a magnet. She muttered incoherent words in a language I'd never heard, and held the blood-painted symbol on the mirror to Roy's forehead. Blue flames burst at his feet, lapping at his ankles. It consumed clothing and flesh in a starving roar. He screamed, and no sound escaped his throat. I reached for my gun, but my arms were glued to my sides. My feet were glued to the floor. I watched helplessly as my friend burned alive.
1: Sweet dreams, Detective Pike.
0: Elizabeth crooned. She murmured another string of foreign words. My world went black. Date unknown, 10.45 p.m. It had only been a week since I'd taken myself out of the game. It wasn't a great time to call it quits with the war going on and the never-ending rain. But my gut said it was time. And in 30 years, my gut was never wrong. I had just lit a cigarette when there was a knock on my door. I took a drag and ignored it. The knock came again. Sighing, I stamped out my cigarette. I answered. Hoping was a fathead salesman.
1: Excuse me, are you Detective Pike?
0: A young, beautiful dame had her hands tightly clutched around an umbrella. Not as of a week ago, I admitted, running a hand through my hair.
1: I was hoping you could take my case.
0: She had a voice like honey.
1: I promise, I'll compensate you appropriately.
0: I chewed my lip. Her dark eyes were desperate, her long hair damp from the rain. I gave in. All right. What can I help you with, Miss...
1: Miss Moore. Elizabeth Moore.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of Radio. Once again, Black Magic was written by Catherine LaCroix. She can be found on Twitter at WhispersFromCat and on Patreon at patreon.com slash whispersfromcat. I know from personal experience that she's done some amazing work, so please go check it out. Elizabeth Moore was voiced by Sydney Berkeley, who really blew me away with her performance. Radio is recorded, edited, and produced by me, Sheikh Yuna. I can be found on Twitter at Sheikh Yuna, spelled as it says in the show description. The new original score is The Storyteller, written by Lou Claver. Find more of his work at louclaver.bandcamp.com. That's L O U K L A V E R. If you like what you heard, please consider telling a friend. If you want your short story read on the show, you can email me at shakeyuna at gmo.com. Logo design by Emily Cocotte. Thanks again.